0: Welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God in just a moment. Who's excited about the Word of God? I like that. I like that. Man, I've been... um. I've been itching this week to get this word to you because I really feel like this is something, this is a word that God has for his people. And I'm excited about this new series that we're kicking off this morning entitled The Invisible Battle. The Invisible Battle. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to be talking about is the battle that we are facing that it is not a physical one. Did you guys know that the battle that we face is not a physical one? The scripture teaches us that. The scripture teaches us that the battle uh, that we're facing is, is, is one that is unseen. And sometimes it's a physical, uh, a physical battle that we just to kind of understand the spiritual. It's a physical battle to understand that we don't fight in the physical, right? Some of the battle that we face is also mental. Right. Getting past the hurdles of trusting God, getting past the hurdles of even just a few moments ago, as Pastor Corey was displaying that great text and message that, you know, what we give God and all those things, that's all faith. That's all faith. And, and when you give them uh, and you donate your time to the church or to an event or to a cause. Look at me for a moment. Though what you're doing right now is you are allowing God to use you right? And so that takes effort. That takes energy. And so the battle that we face sometimes is mental. Sometimes it's, it's a lot of different things. And we'll be discovering that over the next few weeks. The invisible battle. Everybody say the invisible battle. It strongly leans on our identity as well, right? Because we don't always understand who we are to be able to fight this battle. And so uh, allow me to unpack this thought for a moment. And for those of you that are taking notes, grab your pens. There's going to be some notes this morning. Your greatest scars will come from your greatest battles. Your greatest scars will come from your greatest battles. The greatest battles you have are not a spouse. It's not an enemy at work, somebody that you don't get along with. It's not even a nosy neighbor. How many ever had one of those before? Don't raise your hand if your neighbor's in the room. Just don't do that. I'm saving lives right now. The the enemy that we have is Satan, and he is unseen in a lot of cases. He likes to stay that way. He likes to be very low-key. He doesn't want to announce himself in the room. Last time he did that, he got kicked out of heaven. He learned from that mistake, and he learned that if he can just Quietly whispers something into your life that you just might believe it. See, it is Satan, the enemy of your soul, who fights not just unseen but unfair. He uses your past against you. He uses your, your family against you. He uses things that you love and things that you hate who use anything to distract you. Every believer needs to know that whether you are um, acknowledging, you can ignore it, you could deny it, you could not buy it. It doesn't matter. You are in a fight. If you call yourself a believer, you are in an invisible battle right now. The Bible tells us it's a spiritual war between good and evil. And I'm going to unpack a few verses this morning before we get to our text. And as we talk about this message this morning, seeing the provision of God is the title of today's message. The series of the invisible battles. Part one, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, turn there. I believe this, this passage right here is the crux of this entire series. So you'll hear it a lot in the next few weeks. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in what? Heavenly realms. In other words, the things that we're battling are not seen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Some of you are like, I know, I fought just to get my pants on today. That is unsteen. I didn't want anybody to see that. That doesn't count as Ephesians chapter 6. But the fight that we fight is not of this world. So why do we get upset when we get rejected by the people in this world? Sometimes we don't hear God right and we spend time trying to kill what God is trying to use. Sometimes we don't hear God right and we spend our time trying to kill what God is trying to use. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. We just read Ephesians 6.12. Now we're going to read 1 Timothy 6.12 and it says this. Fight the good fight of what? Of what is seen? No. Of faith, because faith is unseen. Take a hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know what it's saying? Stick to it. Stay with it. Believe God, even when everybody else around you has it. Believe God, even when the world says... Was God supposed to come through for you here? Was God supposed to, go to come through for you there? And all of a sudden you start, hmm, maybe he was. But here, Paul is telling this young pastor, Timothy, and he's telling him this, fight the good fight of faith. In other words, faith is your weapon. Faith is your currency. God is not your refuge from trouble, my friends, but rather your greatest refuge in trouble. God is not your refuge from trouble. Oh, I got God. Nothing's going to stand in my way and nothing's going to oppose me. You read the wrong book. Maybe that was a really good encouraging self-help book that had a little lie embedded in there. But that does not mean that God has forsaken you. In fact, your greatest refuge will be God in your trouble. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Because I know that I'm already going through struggles here and there. I have a hard time believing God for this in my life. How many find it a lot easier? We talked about this even in staff this week. How many find it a lot easier to believe God for somebody else than it is to believe for yourself? Raise your hand if you've been there before. You ever prayed for someone and you had all this faith and you were like, you were like Tony Wigglesworth. You were like, right, you know what I'm talking about? You ever had this like serious faith and you're like, I'm believing God with you. I'm standing with you. And then when you go to pray for yourself, you're like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm laying hands on myself, but I can't even find my head because I don't even know. Like Greg Hubbard used to always tell you, he'd be like, sometimes you just need to pray for yourself, you know? <laughs> just, I don't do it as good as he does. I, I'd take, I thought I'd take a try at it. I'm going to send that clip to Greg, see and give him a rating on that. Sometimes you need to pray for yourself the way you would pray for somebody else, right? How many ever prayed for somebody else and you were on fire? And then you pray for yourself, you're like, oh, dear Lord, if you want to pay attention. For them, you were on fire, right? Because sometimes we look at our trouble and our trial instead of the God that saved your soul. Philippians 3.12, not that I have already attained all of this. I love how church, uh, uh, Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he says, listen, I, I tell you all these things, but not that I have attained all of this. Right, And not that I've reached it all and I've gotten it all and i figured it all out. And I come to you as a preacher, as a pastor, I haven't figured it all out. And I kind of hear what he's saying here. Not that I've already attained all of this or I've already arrived at my goal. But listen, listen, listen. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has took a hold of me. Now, I want to ask you a question. When he says, I press on to take hold of that, the question is, what is your that? What is your that? If he's going to say, but I press on to take hold of that, what is the that? What is he talking about? I take hold of that. What's that? What is that you're talking about? And what is Paul saying to the church of Philippi? He says, I I press toward the mark, right? I press on to take hold of that. That is what Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, the very calling in my life, that is the calling of my life. I press toward my calling. I press toward the provision. I press toward the things that God has for me. I need to press on to that. Not look at my child and go, oh me, oh my, I just want to cry. But instead we say, God help me to grab a hold of that for which you saved me for. Not saved me from. We want to hold on to that which God saved us from. Oh, Lord, you know how bad I was. Yeah, everybody kind of that knew you knew how bad you were. That's not a really a news flash thing. That's not breaking news. Hello? I remember when I came to Jesus, people were like, um, you go to church now? When I was doing bad, they'd be like, oh, Tony, what is wrong with you? And then I get saved and then they go, oh, Tony, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Same question, different reason. Why? Because there are a lot of people that just, they see you and they see the then, not the that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul is saying, I I press on to take hold of that, not this, not who I was, not then, not the old me. I'm pressing on to take hold of that which God has called me to. Graduates, press on to take hold of that. Whether you're graduating, we had graduates from high school and graduates of college up here. And both of them, no matter what, they're entering new chapters in their lives. Amen. How many are grateful for that, right? But they're going to have to press on to take hold of that. If you want to live a life of regret and pain and remorse, press on to the then. Keep bringing up things from your past. And that's exactly how you get stuck in the pool of then. But God, that's not what God has for you. That's not what He asked you to do. He press, he's asking you to press on and take hold of that. What is your that? Your that is the thing that God called you to do. That's what drives you, that, that's what describes you, that's what defines you. That. Everybody say that. All of these things are largely rooted in your purpose and your destiny, and God's provision is providing preservation. Uh, providing a preservation of your that. He's putting people around you to protect you so you can protect the that. He's surrounding you with people that will protect your that. And and sometimes we we sabotage our that with the then. We sabotage our that with who we were. But God, you saw me, you got got Gideon, I'm at least in my tribe, you got Saul, hiding in the suitcases. Hello? Looking at the past as if somehow that determines your future. And God is making it very clear. All of your that is rooted in your purpose and your destiny. Matthew 6 tells us, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. In other words, invest in your future. Invest in the kingdom things, not the things that I, I'm necessarily grabbing and, and seeing all of it right now. How many realize that there's things that we're sowing into right now that we won't see right away? Right? So, why do we get discouraged when we pray we don't see answers right away? That seed. Every time you pray by faith, that's seed. Every time you give by faith, that's seed. Every time you serve by faith, that's seed. One of the the toughest things for me as I spent years on the evangelistic field, my wife and I, we would travel across America, church to church, and I get to preach to all these people, but you know what? Then I leave. And I and, and the difficult part was, am I impacting people long term? And I didn't get to see that very often. But recently, God has given me a window where I had someone walk up to me, and, and, and I, I, it happened so much recently that I was overwhelmed by it because this, this young lady came up to me, and she's been a youth pastor for about a dozen years now, and now she's serving in a different capacity. And she came up to me, and she said, Tony Cruz, and I didn't know her from Adam. And then it dawned on me, she holds this position in our district, and I said, oh, Hi. I said, how are you doing? She said, good. She goes, I just wanted you to know something. You were part of my life for two of the most significant moments in my spiritual journey. The day that I was called and the day that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was saved. She came to a camp and I spoke. God ministered to her. God called her. Then I came and I spoke again at another event. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, to with God, doing all these things. God, God has been blessing. And she's been in ministry. And she said, I wanted you to know that that has impacted my life and I'll never forget it. And that's not to pat me in the back. That's not, you hear what I'm saying? We have to understand that. We have to protect our that. Because if we look at the then, we'll never do, the, we'll never do what we have to do now to get to the that. Is that making sense? I know grammatically it's a little strange, but you get where I'm going with it, right? Just follow with me. And so let, let me say this real quickly because I, I have a lot that I want to share and I'm trying to do this quickly, but God is asking you to invest in the that, not the then, because we run from the then. C.S. Lewis writes, there are two equal and opposite errors in which, we, which our race can fall about the devils and demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. Good quote by C.S. Lewis. Another Christian writer, Chip Ingram, writes this. The basic, the basic truth, number one, there is an invisible world that is just as real as the visible world. The Bible doesn't inform us of this invisible world in passing references or in isolated verses here and there. The witness is resounding and pervasive uh, Yes, pervasive. If the spiritual world of angels and demons is not reality, neither is the Bible. The context of the invisible world in scripture is just that emphatic. It can't be rationalized out of this word. Listen, throughout the word of God, throughout the word of God, interwoven through every single text is the truth that we're fighting in an invisible battle. We're fighting an often invisible enemy in an invisible battle with a word that's more powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. So know when you wield it, you're wielding power. You're walking in power. Well, Pastor Tony, how, do I, how am I supposed to see this? Well, this is what we're talking about. Let's dive into our text here and let's jump into it. 2 Kings chapter 6. I will not have it on the screen. I will only have the reference. You can either listen to me or find it yourself. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. Now, follow with me as I read this. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of that passing place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. I want you to note something. Elisha, who was in tune with the Lord, knows through his relationship with God what the enemy was doing and what the king and his army were planning to do against Israel. And he gave them the counter so that they will not be ambushed. So Elisha was consulting with the king of Israel and giving them insider knowledge from the throne room of God. How many know God has insider knowledge? So the, the, Aramean, the Arameans were very angry because every time they, sought, they tried to set up a, an ambush, Israel knew it. Let's continue. Verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them Will you not tell me of, of, of which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king. Uh, none of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is. The king ordered, so I can send men and capture him and report back. They said he is in Dothan. Everybody say Dothan. So they they basically come to the king and they say, king, it's not that you have a mole. It's not that you have a guy that's giving these. It's Elisha. He is telling the king what God said. It's Elisha. He's the one. So the king of Aram thought, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to capture him so I can defeat Israel. How many know that the enemy doesn't like you? How many know that when you follow God, he doesn't like anything about you. Verse 14, then he sent horses and chariots and strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of, of the man of God got up, that's his servants, right? Elisha's servants got up. They went out early in the morning and an army with horses and chariots, watch this, had surrounded the city. The servants ran to Elisha and they said, oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Elisha's servant wakes up in the morning he's completely blown away, right? And at that moment, Elisha was unshaken. Because watch this, the whole event didn't shake him because when he saw that the servant didn't believe, didn't know who they were, they were not just children of Israel, They didn't just have the king on their side. They also had the Lord on their side. And I'm afraid that the church is full of people who understand that they are people of God, but they have no authority. They walk with no authority. They walk with no realization of what it means to be a child of the king. So here the servants come to Elisha and they start saying, what's going on? They were. You need to understand that Elisha understood that they were outnumbered, but they were not overpowered. I want you to understand the difference. You may be outnumbered, but you're not overpowered. As people of God, we may feel outnumbered, but we're not overpowered. Don't be afraid, verse 16. Look at verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Come on, somebody. Elisha saw something that the servant didn't. Elisha saw something that the servants were about. They were panicking. They were panicking. Oh my goodness, what are we gonna do now? And Elisha had to reaffirm to them those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Listen, he didn't just he didn't rebuke them, he didn't tell them, you know what, you guys are so useless. No. You know what he said? Lord, open their eyes. Open his eyes so he may see. You know who he was praying for? The one that opened his mouth. The one that opened his mouth in fear. The one, the, they may be someone that walked in here and you open your mouth in fear and you pray in fear. Look at me. You open your mouth and you pray in fear. God wants to fill that heart with faith. The people of God shouldn't rebuke. We should encourage and turn around and say, listen, that's not who you are. Greater is he, and that's exactly what Elisha was kind of praying in the Old Testament. Greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. The difference is, the Old Testament, God was with you. In the New Testament, God is in you. We heard that last week, didn't we? God with us, God in us. And here, Elisha's trying to make a point. God's got this. And I know that it's hard to see it. So, therefore, Lord, would you just show him? Show him so he may see. Verse 17. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around the enemy. No, all around Elisha. The one that's called, the one that was doing the will of God. I'm with him. Anybody ever saw somebody and they had access to a room and you were like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and I'm with him. I'm with him. I remember one time I was in Bristol, Connecticut, and uh, I love sports and I love ESPN. And uh, I had a friend that I, I ran into, and uh, he was like, hey, listen, um, I work for ESPN. And I'm like, yeah, I know, that's cool, that's really great. Hes like, you want me to give you a, a personal tour? I was like, let me think about it, Yeah. So so we went, and he, he got access. He pulled out his car. Beep. Doors went up, doors opened, all kinds of. I'm walking around, I'm like, yeah, I'm with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm with him. Everywhere we went, beep, Yeah, I'm with him. I'm with him. <laughs> went into this big room, and they had a big workout area. And this is huge. I mean, it's like a college campus. I'm walking around, and there's like this huge room just to work out. And he, beep, he bowed me up. Yep, I'm with him. Went to this place, I'm with him. Why? He had access and I didn't, but I was with him. Some of y'all need to realize who you're with. And you know what your access card is? That card. Your calling. When God has put his calling on your life, you have access. That card. You with me? I press on and I'm pressing toward that, that card. Everybody grab your that card because we're going. That calling, that thing that God has put on your life, that's your access card. I trust and believe. Elisha had learned to see the spiritual realm before his servants did and he said, listen to me, I see what you don't see. Open his eyes, Lord. The Lord does not open uh, his eyes and he sees the enemy's strategic plan. No, he showed him that God has surrounded the man of God who's with me. They may have outnumbered them, but they did not power them. This is my prayer over you. I pray that the Lord would open your eyes to see the invisible realm and the spiritual warfare that's happening around you, that's happened against you and your family, and that you would see things you never saw before, and that you would begin to build faith in your life and boldness in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. You need to understand something. What you see as trouble, God sees as training. What you see as trouble, God sees as training. And it's training for bigger and better things. What are you holding on to that's causing you more focusing, to to focus more on the trouble? What are you holding on to that's causing you to focus on the trouble and not train properly? So what happens? Elijah stands up and he goes and he looks out and he sees the enemy. Who's with me? He sees the enemy, and I'm going to give you a real condensed version of this. You ready? He sees the enemy, and he says, blind them, Lord. Blind them. And at that moment, boom, God, God does exactly what Elijah asked him to do, and he blinds the enemy, and all of the armies that were surrounding that entire city, they go blind. And then he addresses them. He says, the man you're looking for is not me. Come with me and I'll I'll show you. And you know what it is? He leads them into Samaria. He leads them to the king. Because watch what they were trying to do. Listen to me. Follow me. This is what happens. They were trying to pull Elisha from the king so they can attack the king. So they they went who they thought was the weaker one. But what they really did was they went to the stronger one because he had armies that you couldn't even see. But in a natural, he looked like the weak one. Let's get the one guy. We can defeat Israel if we can get this one guy. But he didn't realize that the one guy had his that on. Now, I didn't say hat. I said that on. He had his calling. He had his anointing. He had God all around him. And God was surrounding him with the the chariots of fire and the soldiers and all these people. He had an army that is in an unseen realm. Are you with me? He thought he was going to the weak area. He really went to the strong one. And then that was when he took him to the king. And then he said, Let them see. And all of a sudden their eyes were opened and the king said, what do you want me to do, Lord? And the Lord said, spare them, feed them, send them onward. Why? They're no threat. They're no threat. You know what they did? They went home and peace came upon Israel. Why? Because they didn't fight the battle. They left it to God. You need to give your battle to your God. You need to take the enemy, address him, blind him, and bring him to God's feet. Bring him to your King Jesus and let King Jesus deal with him. I thought I'd get more amens than that. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Listen to me. You have to understand something. There are battles that you're fighting you're not supposed to be. And there are battles that you're not fighting that you're supposed to be. You're fighting the wrong battle because you're looking through the wrong set of lenses. God is not asking you to fight a physical battle where you could see with your eyes. He's asking you to fight the the spiritual battle that you could only see by faith. And today, what I'm praying is that God would open your eyes to see. God has always wanted to be involved in your life. How willing are you to let him do so? So let me share this with you. God gives us great weapons. Here they are. Here they are. God gives you great weapons. His word. Y'all might want to take a snapshot of this because I'm going to fly right through this. God gives us his word, which is a two-edged sword. Media, stay with me. Hebrews 4.12. The armor. The armor of a warrior. Ephesians chapter 6. The name of Jesus gives you authority. Philippians chapter 2. The blood of Jesus that protects you. Colossians chapter 2. Prayer, which is effective and changes and makes the enemy flee. James 5, 16. Praise, which destroys your adversaries. 2 Chronicles 20. He's giving you weapons. He's giving you weapons so you fight this invisible war. He's not even trying to give you physical weapons. He's giving you spiritual weapons more than you need to fight this battle. How many are grateful for a God that equips us for the battle? Right? Right? Now watch this. My prayer is that the eyes of the spirit would be released in your life so you can see what is unseen. And this passage revealed to me three quick things and I want to share this with you. Here it is. Number one, the natural eye is blind to heavenly things. Number one, the natural eye, three things, write these down. If you're not do anything, if you're going to tweet it, do whatever you need to do, but find a way to write this down and think about it this week. The, the passage is teaching us something, and here it is. Listen, as I was unveiling this, I'm telling you, this will change your life because the natural eye is blind to heavenly things. He said, do not be afraid, the prophet answered, for those who are with us are more than those who are against them. How do you see that? You can't see that in the natural. You can't see that in the physical. You can only see that in the what? Spiritual and in the spirit realm, right? This is not spooky, weird, hairs in the back of your head stuff. This is trusting God and letting him show you what is right and what is not right. I think we make it a lot more difficult than it really is. It's trusting God in areas we never trusted him in. That's how you access your that. The natural eye is blind to heavenly things. Elisha saw what his servants did not. He knew his ability wasn't in his position, but in the power of God. Some of y'all need to stop thinking that somehow if I could just get a position, I could have power. No, your position is right here. Bowing before your God, the Savior, and realizing that that's what God is looking for. See, we're in the middle of right now, we just started here June, and all I can hear around me is Pride Month. Pride Month. Pride Month. You know where the first pride happened? The first pride happened in heaven when Satan fell from the sky. And that didn't turn out so well, did it? The problem with America is that we're so prideful that we forget who our source of strength is. Oh, I'm going to let it be uncomfortable. I'm going to let it be uncomfortable. Because if you yell pride enough, you're going to get God's attention. Let's be honest. Pride comes before the fall. That wasn't just a, A genealogy situation, that wasn't just a timeline that pride came before the fall. That wasn't part of, that wasn't really something that man really wants to talk about. They they want to talk about pride. Well, that's exactly what is destroying America and God's people. Pride. Holding on to the very things God didn't ask us to hold on to. And standing for something that doesn't stand in scripture. Number two. We must pray for others to see the battle. Hello? There's an unseen battle around us. We must pray for others to see. What did he say? Come on, dude, you didn't get it. Weren't you at Bible study this past week? He didn't rebuke him. He said, Lord, open his eyes. May we do the same thing instead of arguing with people on social media instead of getting all upset about things, how about we just start saying, God, open their eyes so that they may see what I see. I got to remind myself of that because I get fired up with stuff when people, believers, believers are standing for things that are not right and they'll make excuses till the day they die. And I'm not okay with that. And I'll never be okay with that. If it opposes the word of God, it opposes you. Or you're not a believer. Period. If it opposes scripture, it opposes you. And if it doesn't offend you, you're too close to it. You got to pray. We got to pray For God to open up the eyes of those around us who have fallen to the lies and fell prey to the lies of this world. And there's a lot of them floating around. My goodness, I'm sick and tired of believers falling for this mess. Stop being prideful. Stop being humble. Say, God, show me what's in me. And we need to pray not just for that humility for them. Look at me. We need to pray for humility in us. There's a difference between judging and being judgmental. Big difference. Elisha judged it by the moment and he looked at it and said, he just doesn't see. Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Judgmental would have been, how dare you? You're like in my leadership team, dude. Right? No, he didn't. But he did judge the moment. He did hold him accountable by saying, God, he doesn't see it. Help him to see it. He doesn't see. And then God showed him, and all of a sudden the chariots of fire. You with me? All right, all, right, all, right, all right. Number three, it's God alone who can open man's eyes. You know what happens when we try to open man's eyes? A religious spirit. That's what happens. Nothing wrong. Listen, there's nothing wrong. Listen, let me make this really clear. There's nothing wrong with faith and religion. Having a faith is part of our, we want to have something to cling to. But having a religious spirit means that whatever I believe, everybody has to believe just like me or else. Right? The passage is telling us this. Only God can open the eyes. Elisha prayed, only God can shut the eyes and only God can open the eyes. Listen, he did both in this text. Did you see it? He did both. He opened the eyes of those he needed to open and made blind the ones that need to be blind. Come on, somebody. He opened the tender-hearted, and he shut the angry ones, the rebellious ones, the ones that are going against the people of God. He shut them. My prayer is that you will be bold enough to to pray, God, shut the eyes of the enemy that he may see nothing in my home. Shut the eyes of the enemy that he will see nothing in my life. Open the eyes of those around me and may the chariots of fire set me ablaze as well. That I may follow my king to the day I die. This is an unseen battle, my friends, an invisible one. And so let me tell you something right now. My prayer is that he would open your eyes so you know who you are and that you can deliver the enemy right to his feet. God, this is your situation, not mine. You know why? Because in heaven, we won't be divided. In heaven, we'll see every tribe and every nation. In heaven, we'll be free to love, serve, create, and worship. There won't be addiction. There won't be bondage. There won't be brokenhearted kids crying because they don't have enough food at night. There won't be parents that are suffering because they can't provide for their kids. There won't be divorce. There won't be separation. And that's God's heart for this city. And that's God's heart for this church. Do you know why I'm pedal to the metal, passionate about helping Freedom Life and your family get healthy and grow? Why? Because we, my friends, are meant to be the embassy of heaven. Not a dysfunctional, defeated, discouraged place, but rather God wants our church to represent his goodness and his grace for the hurting around us. Because only through us will they see the true and living God. Only through us, we need more strong and healthy growing churches and people that don't care about getting a little bit messy. That don't care about getting their hands wet and dirty. They want to see others come to God because they too want to see God minister to them. Stop looking at the enemy and supposing that in some way he may run away at some point. No, the more you welcome him, the more in your house he'll be. And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the victory we have in Jesus, the death, despair, and disappointment of the enemy. We celebrate the victorious kingdom of God. And you don't fight for victory, you fight from it. And one thing we know is his kingdom is available here and now. And this battle that we're fighting is invisible. But no battle is won unless God opens our eyes. So let's pray for God to open our eyes. If you stand with me today right now and you hear what I'm saying, you agree. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. If you agree with what I'm saying to you right now, that there is a fight we need to fight and a God we need to serve in this invisible battle. If you're in agreement with me right now and you're standing, raise your hands to the heavens right now and ask God, Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Come on, it's not going to happen if you're whispering in your head. You need to open your mouth and begin to pray, God, give me the eyes to see in the spirit what the spirit says to the church. Come on, open your mouth and pray out loud speak it speak it and let yourself hear it come on church come on church come on church the invisible battle is not going to be fought just in your head you need to open your mouth and tell your flesh what it's supposed to do the spirit knows God let us see the provision that you have for us today, we pray. Let us see your provision. When the enemy invades our city, when the enemy stands outside our gates trying to taunt us and telling us to come out, blind them, O oh God. Be our strength. Be our hope. Be our Savior. I'm surrounded by you. That song that we sing sometimes here just it resonated with me this week. Help me know that I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. God, I pray right now for every person at the sound of my voice. May they hear What the Spirit says, may they see what the Spirit has allowed them to see and enabled them to see as they surrender themselves to you. Lord Jesus, go far beyond what they ever imagined possible. Allow them access to the kingdom of God. Lord, chariots of fire surround our home. Chariots of fire surround our families chariots of fire lead my kids when they're going with friends out or, or they're going about their Lord lead them and guard them and guide them Lord all of our loved ones Lord this church you've given me this church you've raised 12 years ago I pray we will continue to be a beacon of light may our community know who you are before they ever figure out who we are But let it be because of our obedience. But only your spirit can keep them. So let it be. Let it be true. Let God be true and let every man be a liar if need be. We believe you. Come on, with hands lifted high one more time. Lord, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice. Let them seek and press toward their that. That that, not the then, that, they run and press and fight for what is worth holding on to, the calling of God in our lives, we pray. And for those of us that struggle this morning to believe you, help us to believe you a little more than we have, than we were yesterday. We want to be like you, Jesus. We pray these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. We thank you for your love and your grace. May we fight this invisible battle with weapons that are not seen but are very effective. The blood of Jesus, the word of God, prayer, praise. Lord, these are the weapons you've given us the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. Lord, everything, everything you've given us, may we fight well-equipped for your promises are yes and amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.